Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm Kurt Flegel, and I'm one of your two hosts for this show. On this final episode of Season 4, we are also wrapping up our final episode of the two-parter called Invitation or Obligation. In the first episode, Katie Roth shared her story about struggling between these two ideas. We kind of left part one on a little bit of a cliffhanger. We're going to wrap up that discussion and move into a discussion on how we can practically let go of this idea of obligation and learn to seek out and find God's invitation to join him in the work that he is doing internally and externally in our lives each day. So let's continue with part two of Invitation Over Obligation. I, I believe the soul is mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. It's, it's a system of systems. Like the body is a system of systems. I think the soul is the whole system of mind, body, and spirit all interconnected. I'm learning to, when my mind is racing and I can't be still before God, to just focus on my breathing and let that slow down, knowing that my mind will slow down, my heart will, my spirit will slow down. And so there are times where I'm learning to let my body tell me where my mind and spirit are. And when my body is tired, like when I'm feeling that tiredness in my body, I'm like, oh yeah, that my mind is really fuzzy too. Nap time. <sighs> and like, I, I used to feel guilty and beat up, you know, beat myself up and realizing when I wake up, I'm going to be fresher. I'm going to be more in tune with God, myself, and the people around me. And so again, God just lets it breathe. And the more we, I think the more we accept just the infinite level of patience and love that God has for us and come into alignment with that, we just begin to relax and meet him where he's meeting us, right? For me, I've said this a lot lately is if God really is meeting us where we are, that's who God is. He meets us right where we are. And I don't know where I am. I'm missing God. But as I learn to practice self-awareness and go, oh, you know what? I'm just tired right now. And it's not going to make any sense to me if I push through. I'm just going to go to sleep. Right. The more I accept that God is infinite and his patience. And sometimes that infinite stuff really freaks me out because I don't understand infinite and that's what and what I don't understand I run from but the infinite patience of God the very thing that makes me run what I don't understand makes me run always brings me back because his infinite patience never leaves me and he gets me to finally chill out and come back you know you are into the Enneagram or no yes I am yeah, it's his fault that I know any of it <laughs> originally. I don't know half as much as Kim, but what any <laughs> number are you? Kurt? I'm a seven. So a lot of people would guess that I am, mm -hmm. or my center is uh, of my person is my emotions. It's actually my head. I have so many thoughts. Like if you think of Robin Williams, I believe Robin Williams was an Enneagram 7. He just spouted out millions of things that just had a really clear connection between his head and his mouth, right? That's how I think. A million thoughts going every second. And then because I have so many thoughts going on, 
they're very connected to my heart. And so that's where the two like always end up to be in turbulence with each other. And because of that, a seven doesn't feel safe in themselves. The natural tendency of a seven is to feel unprepared to deal with the internal. So run to the external, find experience, enjoy life. They're the good time people because experience feels the outside world, the external world feels safe versus the internal reality, which is about running from self-awareness. That's so interesting. I think... I don't know. I'm still learning, but I am most definitely a four. And so I think I am constantly on the search for self-actualizations, learning myself. And so I might have a million thoughts, but one thought, it goes so deep and I'll like follow that thought and follow that thought and follow that thought until I've reached the end of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I usually don't ever reach the end of it. Yeah. So- I, my dilemma is kind of your dilemma inside out. <laughs> Which is a five actually too. Well, I was talking to some lady that was learning how to be an Enneagram coach. I just, I met her at a winery here. She probably had a couple of drinks of wine in her. So maybe she wasn't speaking straight, but she, she, I was telling, she was asking me questions. She was like interviewing me, so to speak, because she wanted to know she, She was like, are you sure that you're that? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And she agreed with me, but she said, you probably, you probably pull from both wings. Mm. I don't know which one I favor, but I definitely have an understanding of how I pull from each wing. Yeah. That going down deep into yourself and following that down as deep as it goes that's a tendency of a five. They feel really safe internally and, and not safe externally. And so they, they spend a lot of time navel gazing. They spend a lot of time pulling down into themselves and not letting go until they get to the bottom, until they've processed something thoroughly and understand it and have that information. And now that's, that's like a resource for them. And I had a friend of mine who is, who is my spiritual mentor and discipler for many years, who is deeply a five. And I appreciate that about him, who struggled a lot with depression because to go so deep into yourself and to keep like following that thought until you get to the end of it becomes an endless circle, right? It's a downward spiraling, right? So he would go on these five, six, eight day silent retreats and, and just be like in silence and solitude meeting once a day with a spiritual director who would listen to where you're at, where you're sensing from God and what you're, what you're sensing from yourself and then give you some suggestions for, for the next 24 hours, how, like here's some things to practice or whatever. Um, one of the first silent retreats he went on, he came to this moment where he was sitting in silence and he heard God say to him clearly, when is it going to be enough for you to let go of the process? Do you trust me enough to invite me into the process so I can show you 
Mm. when it's time to stop following this thought and let it breathe Mm. and let it be enough for now. And he realized in that moment that he had such an experience with God in that moment. It wasn't just words came to him. The presence of God was so powerful on him in that moment when he made time to let his life breathe, right? It, it profoundly changed him and changed the, the way he w- walked through his, his thought processes, like more self-aware of when he was holding on to a thought without inviting God into the process. Mm. Lo and behold, as he began to become aware of that, of who God is to him in that place and practice that, his depression lessened. Mm. Kim, what do you think about all this? What are you hearing? The thing I struggle with most is being patient with myself and getting frustrated with myself (laughs) in the middle of all this. And I'm certainly guilty of not letting things breathe on a regular basis. It's part of how our meetings last as long as they do. (laughs) Because I get so frustrated that my brain starts going a billion miles an hour and then it can't focus on anything. But yeah, that that sounds like a kind of an invitation for, for for all of us is to recognize that because we're finite, we tend to want things now and quick and quite frankly, often before we're actually ready for them. And God's like, I got this. I'm not impatient with you. Like I'm not frustrated with you. Like take a deep breath and let it go. Let me be the one that breathes life into this. Because if you keep trying to breathe it on your own, you're going to pop your lungs. <laughs> you know, push, push through <laughs> until something gets broken. Yeah. I, it reminds me of, oh, i trying to remember when it was. But I think I was, oh, I think it was one of my walks, which has been one of my better ways of forcing my brain to slow down. Mm-hmm. Because really what I'm doing is forcing my body to slow down and occupy it so that my brain isn't getting caught up in in the self-preservation stuff that my body likes to do to try to protect me which you know works great as a protection mechanism as a kid not so great now as a you know 37 year old trying to actually process things and he's like why do you think I haven't given I don't remember what we were talking about he's like why do you think I haven't given this to you yet Mm -hmm. I was like I don't know I just know that I want it and you haven't given it to me (laughs) And, and he was like, if I gave this to you now, it would crush you. You're not ready to carry what, what you're asking for. He's like, the whole point of this is I'm preparing you to carry this thing that you're asking for and that I've promised to you. Mm. You know? And he's like, I am fully patient. Perfectly patient. Like, I will give this to you when it's my time. When this will not crush you, but it will breathe life into you. So let it go. But once again, it was, do you trust me? Do you trust that I'm not withholding something from you out of malicious intent or, you know, a power trip or anything else than because I love you and I'm seeing the big picture and you're seeing this little tiny section of a branch and you're missing the whole forest. Kim, it reminds me of this perfect allegory for this concept of like rushing (laughs) to like the finish line, so to speak. Mm. 
and I think I'm pretty sure Kim you heard this but Kurt hasn't heard this um I had to have a minor surgery on my back Mm. I had essentially stitches on my back and I was wanting to heal quickly for a number of reasons but the main reason was I um I have a lot of back tension in general like and working out like weightlifting really helps but I couldn't weightlift while I had stitches in my back. Mm. And, but if I get really tense, the other thing that I need is a massage and I can't get a massage with stitches in my back. So it was kind of like, <laughs> I was sort of messed up on all fronts. And um, my roommate was kind enough to help me like clean and dress my wound. And so I was trying to like speed up the process of healing and I was having her put Neosporin on it, which, you know, I mean, I've used Neosporin before, like, but for whatever reason, it was getting really, really swollen and extremely mm-hmm. painful. And it, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I was like, I'm trying to make it heal. Like, why isn't it healing? And then I can't even remember. I got like some infection. It was in no way related to what was happening on my back, but I got some other infection. And so I was on antibiotics. So then I was even more confused because I was like, I'm on antibiotics. Clearly this thing in my back is not infected because antibiotics kill everything. And, um, couldn't figure it out for the life of me. I figured I must've been allergic to the stitches. I was only a couple of days away from getting them out. So I didn't worry about it. I mean, I was driving me nuts, but I was like, I'm going to wait until I can go to the doctor. And when I went into the doctor, the nurse like removed the bandages. She's like, Whoa, she's like, this is so irritated. (laughs) Like She just couldn't believe it. And I told her what I assumed and And when the doctor came in and looked at it, he's like, oh, he's like, you've developed an allergy to Neosporin. (laughs) Oh, wow. And it was just really funny because Neosporin was the very thing that I thought was going to speed up the process. And it was making it worse. When that happened, I was kind of just shaking my head and laughing to myself because I'm like, this is the way that we are with God. (laughs) (laughs) We're like trying to force the issue, trying to make this happen, trying to speed up the process somehow, and we're making it worse. We're drawing it out. And going back to what I said earlier, when I was challenged to write a letter from God to myself, one of the things that came up in that letter was, it was something to the effect of like, don't forget that I know, I know your dreams. I know like your desires. I understand all of these things. And I want to be standing with you when you walk into these things. I want you to experience them to the full. And I want you to experience them with me. I want to enjoy these things with you. It was just the concept of God not being outside of any of our experiences. Mm -hmm. And the richness of our experiences when we have linked arms with the Lord and he is walking with us through them. And it was like something that as I wrote it, it just made me cry because I thought, I just thought of the identity of the Lord, like peace and love and freedom and kindness and like all, all the things, all the things that we know about Jesus. And I just thought about the fullness of that in the things that I hope and dream and want and, you know, like how much more of an experience it will be 
if I haven't beat God to the finish line. Goes back to what Kim was saying. I haven't given it to you yet because you're not ready. And it'll mm-hmm. crush you if I gave it to you now. I'm preparing you. And what came to mind as she was talking was the idea of what God is really preparing us for is what he got Abraham to when he took Isaac up the mountain and gave him back to God. All of his dreams, all of the promises of God were wrapped in this boy and God said, give him back, Mm -hmm. sacrifice him back. God is preparing us to keep surrendering it all back to him so we don't ever carry it because it will crush us. And the process of giving us the dreams he's put in us and then bringing them to reality. He places the dreams in us. He gives us the desires of our heart. As the scripture says, he gives us the desires of our heart. And what I've heard that the interpretation of that, some people think that that means he, he like what we desire in our heart, God gives us. And this person who shared this with me said, well, first of all, what we have to understand is God gives us those desires. He gives us the desires of our heart. He actually places those desires and dreams in us. They Mm -hmm. are gifts from him. And the more we learn in the process of God giving us these desires to give them back to him and keep surrendering them to him, the more we are open for for him to keep giving to us. Mm. I'm writing that down. And that's the beauty in this is God is the giver. As James 1 says, he, you know, don't be deceived. And I love that he has to write that to the, to the believers. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift comes from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadow. Man, this is the beauty. And the more we relax and realize that's who God is, he's the giver. We can just keep giving it back to him, knowing he's going to meet us in that place and give us more of himself. And so really this whole journey is about acceptance and surrender. And it's more real, realizing just how, who God is to us and, and accepting that. And that he flows with us. He's patient. He's infinitely patient. He's infinitely kind and gentle. And, uh, and he, will, he will walk with us and let things breathe as we learn to relax into him and accept that. That makes me want to go, oh, I've got a moment to journal, right? I've got this moment. I can take it. And then it isn't an obligation anymore, right? Like every morning you talked about discipline. Yeah, every morning God has called me to get up and be still before him and ask him about the day before. That is an obligation. That's like, I see it as like an invitation. He said, this is the new season. This is your new season, Kurt. Stop prayer walking and sit and be still and ask me where I was in your last 24 hours, where you saw me, where you missed me. And be still in that until I show you. And that's the beauty of learning to relax in that. You know, like it takes what it takes time-wise. Right. And as I learn to be still and allow God to bring whatever memories he wants from the last 24 hours, 
um, let him bring them to mind. It's amazing to me how faithful God is. I'm discovering his faithfulness more and more and more in this. He really is faithful to meet us where we are. He really is willing to breathe life into us as we let ourselves sit in a moment and let that moment breathe. God is faithful. He shows up. He brings the, the memories to mind as I ask those two questions. Where were you in the last 24 hours? Like, where did I see you? Where did I miss you? As I ask those questions and sit and let the memories, let him bring the memories to mind, they come. They really do come. He is faithful. And it allows me to relax and not only see him in the moment, but begin to recognize who he is to me in the rest of the day and how he moves in my day. It's, it's just creating intimacy, I guess, at a, at a different level than I've ever experienced before. Mm. I did have one other thought on that response. What? It doesn't have to be a one-time experience. It's something I've done with the kids in youth group. It's something I've done with the young adults. That God writing a letter to, you know, writing a letter from God's perspective is something I still do on a regular basis. Just asking him, God, what do you think about me? What do you want me to know? Because it's pretty well always powerful. But when you do it in different seasons, sometimes he highlights different things for the season you're currently in. It's actually part of my scripture reading every morning. Really? Yeah. I I read I read the scripture three times, the passage I'm going through. It's usually about 15 verses. I keep it pretty. Like whatever my devotional is on, I take that passage, whatever verse is in. The, it's a one verse uh, devotional that ex- explains it. I take the passage that that verse is around and I read it three times and I ask God three questions. The first time I read, before I read it the first time, I say, God, what are you highlighting for me? Mm -hmm. Second time I read through it, I'm like, God, here's where I need to know, you know, where you're meeting me, where I'm at. So what's my emotional response to this passage? Like, how am I feeling about it? And then I, I read through it. And each time I read through it, I stop and I sit with that question until I feel like I've got an answer. And then I write it down. So it takes time. And then the third time, and this is what goes to what Kim's talking about. The third time I go, God, what's your gift or invitation for me today through this passage? And then I read it a third time. Usually I do it in different translations each time. And the third time I read it, I sit with that until I, I sense a, a God giving me a gift or, a, or an invitation. And I write it down from his perspective to me. What are you saying to me? And I write to myself. Yeah, I let God write to me through me. Yeah. So I do that every morning. And that's, um, that's after I spend the time asking like sitting in a lot of silence and asking God, where were you for me in the last 24 hours and letting those memories come up. So every morning is, 
a lot more of me asking questions and listening for God's response and a lot less of me praying like, you know, with my own words. Mm-hmm. It's more about asking questions and listening for responses and writing those down. That's just personally where God has me in this season in, in the last year and a half. And it's been incredibly fruitful. I, I told someone today that out of the last 10 years of my journey with Jesus, I say the last year I learned, I've grown more intimately acquainted and connected with him than all the other nine combined. And it's been some of these practices that have done that for me. I feel like I know him more intimately in this last year, grew to know him more intimately than all the other nine before that combined in the last decade. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot to process here. Yes, I wrote down something you said about dreams. Well, the cool thing is it's, in, it's recorded, so. I can go back <laughs> and hear it again. <laughs> we all can. Right, it's just like, it's just like, uh, it's just like Marco Polo. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's like a really, really long interactive Marco Polo. Yes, yes, you're right. And I just made one thing more that rose up in me was how much obligation stems from a place of condemnation rather than seeing God's love through invitation. Yeah. I went to Yosemite recently with my friend and she highlighted this thing that I said one time she's like this thing just sticks with me and it sticks with me and it sticks with me she's like one time in bible study you said how many of the choices that we make are motivated by by fear instead of faith Mm. and it reminds me kind of of that yeah there's a lot of people that I think are going to relate to this and so if you're if you're up for it would you mind praying for those who are listening or on the journey like us. Yeah, um, sure. Would uh, I'll pray? Would you like to like close us out in prayer, or Kim, you want to close us out in prayer? Kim, you should. Yeah, sure. Why not? But out of invitation, not obligation, obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's pray. God, I just um, I I have this overarching sense of the ways in which you are patient with us in ways that we are never patient with ourselves. (laughs) Mm. And, uh, and Lord, I, I recognize that for myself, but I recognize that for just anyone that may be listening to this and all these people that are just in the world and feeling the pressure of the world, feeling the pressure of life and how easy it is to get pulled into obligation and commitments out of a sense of duty. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts and our minds that you are so wanting to experience the freedom to just rest in you and understand that you are a God of invitation and freedom. And just the verse that we've read so many times, God, but just so often glaze over the meaning of is that your 
yoke is easy and your burden is light. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And God, I just pray that that would just really be illuminated in our minds and in our hearts. God, that you are, oh my gosh, God, that you are so kind and you are not a tyrant and that you just want to be with us in our day-to-day, in our moments, in our hard moments, in our tired moments, in our stressed moments, and in our great moments too. Lord, you were the first one to come to us. And so I would, I would pray that we would have these divine encounters remembering that you are right here with us mm. and that you, you don't back away and you're not fearful of anything that we experience or think about or worry about and that you just invite us into friendship. Lord, I think the one of the hardest aspects of your identity to relate to is friendship. Mm. Lord, I think it's it's not easy, but I think it's relatively easier to understand you as God almighty and powerful and God as our father and God as creator, but to recognize you as a friend and somebody that just wants to do life with us, it's so hard to grasp. But God, I pray that as people would listen in, that they would just begin to grasp that and understand that and that you would walk with them in life out of the doors at church and out of their quiet time and that you would continue walking with them and that they would be aware of it and that they would know it. I just thank you for just the opportunity to share. God, I pray that it would speak to whomever you wish to hear it. And I thank you for Kim and just her (laughs) willingness to walk on this uh, spiritual direction journey with me and Kurt for facilitating that. I bless this time and these people in Jesus' name. Yeah, God. (laughs) What a gift. It really is a gift to be able to do life together and to be able to do life with you. Father, help us to receive the gift. The gift doesn't do any good if you don't open your hands and take it and open it. Dad, that is what I ask for the people listening. It's not enough to have head knowledge, Dad, without heart experience. So it's just that we would see you and experience you, that it really would be that we would taste and see your goodness. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Katie, thank you so much for being willing to come on this this episode of Life First God Heals and be vulnerable and be open. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Much appreciation. Yeah. Can't wait till the next time we talk. Yeah. Oh, for you two, it'll be tomorrow, I'm sure. Marco Polo. (laughs) You never know. And maybe you didn't know this, Katie, but this is the last episode for this season, for season four of the show. So you're the closer. I didn't tell you that ahead of time. I hope we finish on a high note. <laughs> uh, we have. So thank oh, yeah. you. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you for joining us on this final episode of Life Hurts, God Heals, season number four. In fact, 
Thank you for joining us for the whole season. You can count on this. We will be back soon for season five of Life Hurts, God Heals. But until then, if you have questions or you would like to get in touch with us for any number of reasons, you can do so on our Facebook page, which you can just find just by searching Life Hurts, God Heals, or you can email us at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And until then, remember, you are God's beloved, so be loved. Be loved.